We're so glad you've joined us. Right now, it's Perry and Shauna Replay from 89.3 Moody Radio. I don't know about you, just want to be real with you, but it's so easy for me to fall into try-harder Christianity, you know, thinking that it's all on me and all on my performance to earn God's favor. Is that something that you fall into? My friend Mike Latsko understands that as well. Mike works with Frontiers, with love and respect, inviting all Muslim peoples to follow Jesus. Mike, I have never heard your own faith story, and I don't know why we're good friends. I don't know if I've shared mine with you, but I would love to hear yours, you know, how Jesus found you. Well, I will be happy to share how I was found, Perry. Thanks for asking. I had the privilege of being raised by a godly mother who Mm. knew the Lord and loved Jesus and loved the Word and loved talking about Him. And, you know, Perry, she led neighbors to the Lord. I got to see her in action, just caring for the poor and the, the those who were in prison. And my mom used to always bring people around the house and would take us to people who were needing to hear about the Lord. So I got to see her in action from up close. And of course, along the way, she was burdened for her son to come to know Christ. And she shared Jesus with me. And I said, yes. So I will always be grateful to a precious mom uh, who led me to the Lord. And then, Perry, this may be a little off subject, but I had a a, a second kind of conversion-like experience in, in my early adulthood. Can I okay. tell you about that? Oh, yeah. Come on. So it was like, you know, in my late 30s. So all my life, I had tried to be a good guy, you know, and try to do right and please the Lord because, you know, the Bible says that I'm to be holy for God is holy. And I was trying to be holy. And I would start, you know, I would do things in my high school youth group and college youth group and got involved in trying to serve the Lord in my 20s and 30s and just trying my best to do right and share Christ and everything else. And there there was some fruit because God is gracious. But the day came when I realized that really what Christ had done for me on the cross meant that I did not have to do. Yep. I did not have to do. And when I realized that his death in my place covered all of my best efforts and my worst efforts, Mm -hmm. and that now I had his very righteousness, that launched me into a whole new trajectory. I was 38 years old when that happened. And ever since, I've been trying to catch up with it. (laughs) Man, that is so good. Because, you know... The gospel and religion are polar opposites. You know, you had yes. you had the gospel, but mostly you had religion because you were basing your standing with God on your performance, even you know, doing ministry things. And I can so yeah. relate. I can so relate with this because I'm such an achiever, and <clears throat> and I too, you know, have come and am coming to that place where just finding my identity in Jesus' performance and not my own. You know, that he lived out the perfect life that I could never live. He died the death that we deserve. He rose again to bring me into Abba's favor and fill me up with the Holy Spirit. 
And that's all him. And I just throw myself on that. That's that's it. Exactly. Somewhere along the line, either I came up with the line or more likely I heard it from somewhere because it's kind of cool. I haven't thought about it in a while. Let's see if I can remember it. Um, at our best, we're not good enough. At our worst, we're not bad enough hmm. to overwhelm God's love. Yeah. So at our best, I could never be good enough. We're not good enough. But at our worst, he's, his grace is still abounding all the more, isn't it? Yeah. So once I began to taste of that fountain, wow, I just keep running to it, keep running to it. I still don't always live it. I still see the Pharisee in me and see the performance-oriented, the people-pleaser yep. in me. But, me I, but I'm trying to outgrow it with the Lord's help. And I believe my wife would say, and those who know me best, Mike, you've you've made some progress. So let's <sighs> let's keep waking up in the morning and see, and see what God does today. Yeah, don't you find you have to 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 start over every day with that oh, mindset? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Someone said, you know, be born again, again, and again, and again. That's it right there. <laughs> we got to keep coming to Jesus, don't we? Preach the gospel to yourself every day. Man. And that's that's what I'm trying to do. No wonder we're friends. You know, Perry, over the years, we've seen that in each other, haven't we? Because we've, we've got a shared uh, story there, and it's a glorious one. So, and I'll bet others can identify also yeah. with what we're talking about. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and yeah. that quote. Totally, Mike Latsko. That's yours. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the at our best and at our worst thing? Yeah, yeah, that's yours. Yeah, that's yours. Yeah, that's right. Okay. I think if you do a Google search, it's it's on Wikipedia. Mike Latsko. Okay, then. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't have to go here at all because uh, I think it might be a sore spot. But what about your dad? Yeah, my dad, thank you for asking. Uh, my dad was from a different religious tradition, Protestant, but not inclined to, you know, the kinds of conversation that we're now having. Yeah. But I saw a glorious thing in him as he watched his wife's, you know, my mother's example over the years. He he broke the pattern and came to know the Lord later in his life. Wow. A genuine Jesus conversion later in his life. And then they had maybe 10 or 15 years together of him starting to discover what it was like to taste and see that the Lord is good. Mm. So I he he died in Christ and is with the Lord now. So is she. So that's that's a miracle also. Yeah. So did you have any part in your dad's story? I think you know, my dad would say that, uh, you know, afterwards, you know, Mike, I watched your mom, I watched you, I watched your sisters. And yes, I knew that there was something that you all had that I did not have. Mm, yeah. And, and man, if if people could say of us, I want what you have, I'm watching mm. your life and I want that. What is that? Mm. Or I know it's Jesus. And how do I get Jesus? that people would say that of us and feel that way yeah. about us. May it be so. Yeah. yeah. Part of it is is being with people, isn't it? I still find in myself, oh, I don't want to get messed up with uh, people. Their lives are complicated. Their their lives are... Drama. You know, there are issues. They're, yeah, dr drama-filled. <laughs> and I do see this uh, often, uh, a selfishness in, in, in my heart. But of course, when we draw near to the Lord, 
and we see his heart for people, then the walls come down and we're in a position to reach out to others, aren't we? Yeah. And maybe you just happened on this channel and you're hearing us talking about this Jesus and and it's it's attractive to you. It's it's drawing to you. And you don't know if Jesus is in your life or you know that you don't have a relationship with God through Jesus. And so just want to invite you into the family. Want to invite you into God's love, into knowing God personally. And it's not about earning it. You can never earn it. And so, you know, Jesus, he came to this earth. He lived out the perfect life that we could never live. I've failed. You've failed. I've sinned. You've sinned. But Jesus passed every single test. He was flawlessly perfect and flawlessly beautiful, lived a perfect life that we could never live. And then he died in our place. He took our place. I deserve punishment for my sins. But instead, Jesus took my punishment on himself, my shame, my filth, my poison. He took it on himself. He took yours on himself. He died in our place. And then he rose again to prove that the Father in heaven accepted his perfect life and his sacrifice for our sins. And when you put your trust in Jesus, he forgives you of all of your sins, past, present, and future. And then, not only that, it gets even better. He counts Jesus' perfect life as your own. And he fills you with the Holy Spirit to give you the energy and the joy and the winsomeness to live full-on for God. And all you have to do is receive it. It's like a Christmas gift, you know? Somebody gives you a gift. Somebody who loves you gives you a gift. You, you, you don't earn that. They give it to you because they love you. And you just, if you want the gift, you just take it and you open it up. And you could just say right now, Lord, what this guy's saying makes sense to me. I know I've fallen so short and what these, this guy's saying makes sense to me. And, and I want that gift. And if that's you, say that to the Lord. That's a prayer. Just talking to God. I want that gift. Lord, please give me that gift. Thank you for offering the gift. I receive it. So, Mike, what's the Lord teaching you right now? What's, what's uh, hmm. something big or small, medium size? He's always teaching us something. We, we always have, I always have room to grow. So just wondering. I think if I had to zero in on one thing, Perry, at this point in my life, it, it might be something like this, that I'm just sensing that I must pursue what he has placed in my heart. Yeah. I've got to pursue it. And, you know, for all of my life, I've tried to be a team player. I've tried to honor what others wanted. I've tried to say yes as often as possible because, you know, in the Lord's work and the church, we're not usually asked to do bad things. You know, it's always, you know, positive things that I could always say, well, surely this is part of serving the Lord. And uh, what I found as, as my life went on was that I was kind of more the sum of what others hoped for me rather than being the person that I felt God might be calling me to be. Mm -hmm. 
So somewhere along the way, uh, I had crossed the line and perhaps been more of a man pleaser than a God pleaser. And once that realization came to my heart, you know, I had to repent for my cowardice. Hmm. And I began the process of saying yes to trying to please the Lord with what he was placing to my, in my life. And, you know, I, I didn't know how to do it. So, and I know I've made mistakes and I still do, but I'd like to think that I'm get, getting better at listening to the Lord and saying yes to the desires that he places in my heart. Yeah. And that's, that's so real life for the person listening right now. That's so real life that God says, I've got this for you and I'm moving you this way. And we're afraid of what people will think or we're, we are pleasing people or we want people's approval or yeah and we and we trust these people and we love them and we know that they're following Christ and surely what they say is is right and so we want to defer to them and we read the passages in the bible that say to put others in preference to ourselves and honor other people so we want to honor all of those things but there is a line that we cross when honoring them means dishonoring the Lord. And when that line is approached, then we've got to have the courage to say, no, I've got to follow the Lord. And I, I, I don't want to disappoint you. It's not my desire to do that. But I really feel like I've got to go in this direction. So part of that for me has involved uh, getting in touch with my own heart and how God speaks to me and what am I hearing from him and then being brave enough to say, to give a big yes yeah. to what he's saying to me. What was the tipping point for you to move? Cause I know you've always had a passion for Jesus and for his kingdom. And so it, it wasn't like you shifted from that to something else, but yeah, but it, it, yeah. What, what was the tipping point for you to say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to pioneer something. And in doing that, you knew that others might think, what's that Let's Go guy doing? <laughs> well, you know, that question brings to mind a, a section in Scripture, and then I'll tell my story. The, the section in Scripture, remember in Nehemiah, Nehemiah was just serving the Lord as best he could in his job, and one day he heard something that grieved him. He couldn't shake it. And when you compare the dates between the opening verses of chapter 1 of Nehemiah and the opening verse of chapter 2, you find that there was a three-month process. He wrestled with the Lord for three months about this that he had learned, a, a gap between God's purposes and the reality that was happening on the earth. And that gap and that wrestling, those three months, then launched him into a new trajectory for his life. And that's what happened to me. When I heard that there were peoples of the world who did not know about Christ, entire people groups, we call them, entire ethnicities, language groups that didn't have, we might call them missionaries from close by or far away. When I learned that there were still several hundred of these, I couldn't believe it. I, I truly couldn't. I mean, I was a grown man and been involved in ministry all these years. I couldn't believe that with all these really good groups around, good churches, good organizations, like the one that I'm with, 
there were still these unserved areas. I, Perry, I, I hope that when God looks at that season of my life, when I first discovered it, he thinks something like, you know, Mike's doing right now what my servant Nehemiah did mm. years ago. Mm-hmm. He's allowing this gap to grip his heart, and he's not going to let it go. Mm. Yeah. So I think for our, our listener friends, uh, Perry, one, the issue is, what is it that God has placed in your heart that he, he won't let you let go of? What is it that troubles you? What's the gap? Maybe it's in your neighborhood, or maybe it's in the local schools, or in, in local government, or, or national, or something, something in the church, or overseas. What is it that troubles you? Well, that may be the area that God would allow your heart to come alive in and do something about. And sometimes I've I've run into people and they say, well, Mike, I don't know. I wouldn't know how to begin to ask that question of God, or I, I have no idea what it might be. And I, I love that because that's an honest response, isn't it? Mm. So to that dear sister or that dear brother, I say, hey, that's a great response. Let's do this. You spend some time before the Lord and you ask him to show you where the gap is that he would like for you to address. It's okay that you don't yet know what it is, but you're open to it. Hmm. You'd like to give yourself to something strategic. So let's ask him and give it time for an answer to emerge and then take baby steps toward pursuing that. Yeah. You're talking about a God dream and you're talking about some kind of way to bring the kingdom into the chaos. And I think a a great prayer to pray, Jeremiah 33, three, call Mm. on me and I will show you great and mighty things, which you do not know. Hmm. Mike, I don't know of anybody who has a heart for people without the gospel like you. It's just a fire that burns in you, and I've always seen that in you, and I'm not sure what makes you tick. You know, (laughs) what is that? How, How did you get that fire in you for people without the gospel, people who are in places that you know, there really aren't any Jesus people to reach them. You know, we're not talking about the person across the street that I can yeah. walk across the street and share Jesus with. I'm talking about somebody who lives in an area where there aren't any believers. And yeah. you have such a passion for these people, and it just beats in your chest. How did you get it? Well, when you ask the question, uh, I think of my uh, the church in which I was raised in two ways. Number one, I loved encountering the Lord uh, in the midst of the Lord's people of my local church. And when it dawned on me that there were people in other places around the world who didn't have the opportunity to encounter God the way I was right in this moment, that troubled me. Yeah. That troubled me. Because I, I enjoyed my church and everything, you know, I'm a, like a middle schooler and then in high school and life goes on. And, and and yeah, when I realized that not all people had the opportunity to enjoy God in community like I was, that bothered me. 
that bothered me. And then the, the other aspect of it was that church did give me opportunity to think about the nations uh, on Sundays. There would be stories from around the world. There would be workers from around the world who would who would make their way through my hometown and I'd uh, hear about what God was doing through them and we'd have these missionaries in our homes and so I will always be grateful for the opportunity from up close to catch some glimpses of what God was doing among the nations through people who were living and serving there okay so that sparked it it and, did but I <laughs> I still think there's something deeper there because it's a fire in you. And that, that was a little ember, but it's a fire in you now. And I'm trying to figure that out. Yeah. How, how did you get to the fire? Well, someone has said, uh, if you can't see very far ahead, go ahead as far as you can see. Yes. So I would go ahead as far as I could see with each season in my life. Like once that ember, like you say, was lit, then I would go in that light for a while. That might mean a short-term trip to Europe, which I did in my 20s. And then the light would get a little brighter. So I would I would have uh, the brighter light would enable me to see a little bit further. Yeah, okay. So that led me to something else. And then the light gets that's brighter there. So that leads you to see a little bit further. So you pursue that. So I'm all in for just going in the light that you have. I try to make no one feel guilty for not being over on third base before they've yet come to first base. No, let's honor what God's doing in every heart and cherish every season and and then just be open to what's what's happening in the next step. Yes, and this is something that I think is is really relatable. It's that, you know, for you listening, for me and Mike, we know the love of God. The Holy Spirit has poured the love of God into our hearts, and we've heard him say in, in one way or another, I love you, I treasure you, you are mine, you're my beloved. And that's changed my life. And and so when we're talking about people in far-flung places of the world where there are no believers to reach them, they don't have the, the beautiful opportunity to experience what I've just described. Hmm. I, I wish I had a greater love for people, especially, or not especially, but including those that I've never met. The reality is the love that I do have for the Lord and I wish that were increasing also. Yeah. But the one idea that most drives my own heart for the nations is so that others might come to know this God that I'm discovering to be beautiful mm. and that I want to get to know better Yeah. and that I'm enthralled by. Yeah. And the reality, so it's not so much my love for them. Yep. I, w I wish it were greater. Yep. Uh, but it's more my recognition that he doesn't get to enjoy them as much as he wants to, and they certainly don't get to as much as they might if they just knew about him. Yeah, well put. And, you know, we, we, we know the God of the Bible, the mm. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit living from eternity in this beautiful dance 
of love, mm. pour, pouring, my pastor would say, pouring oceans of love into one another. Mm. And this is what, this is why God created the world and everyone to experience the dance. That's and, right. And we just want all the peoples to know the dance because we've tasted. Mm. Yeah. Someone has said that there are multiple reasons for wanting to serve the Lord and to see the lost be found. And one is that we want them to be redeemed and to spend eternity in heaven. That's certainly true. Yep. Another is that we get benefit in serving the Lord. I know that I'm happiest when I feel like I'm in the center of God's will for my life. But I'm discovering, and for me, what is becoming the greatest motivation for serving Christ is not that others be saved or that I be fulfilled. It's that they get to experience God. They get to worship God. They get to enjoy Him. And He gets to receive their worship because He's worthy. Mm. Mike, you have, you have dreamed up. Mm, I want to put it a different way. God has put another dream in your heart. And it's this Engage Network and it's a dream he's put in your heart. And I want to say you're the facilitator of this dream. And, uh, you know, I think this is, this is what God is putting on your heart right now to move God's people to reach the rest who have not yet experienced the love of God poured into their hearts by the Holy Spirit because there aren't any Christians around them. So can you just, I don't know, put it on my level to help me understand <laughs> what you're doing? Well, I'd be happy to try. Uh, yes, uh, Perry, what we've discovered is that, I mean, your listeners may have heard of the category of people that we call the unreached peoples of the world. And that doesn't mean that there aren't any Christians among them, that there aren't any churches, but it just means that a, a relatively small number of them have come to know Jesus. So we've also identified a subset of the unreached called the unengaged. The term unengaged measures the church's response to the people. We haven't yet engaged them. We haven't yet come to them. The word has not yet become flesh and dwelt among them. My burden for this time in my life is for the unengaged, those people groups that don't yet have a chance. So yes, I've uh, kind of gotten together with some others. We formed this network called the Engage Network, and we're going to try to uh, leverage our influence over the next few years among influencers around the world, South America, North America, Africa, Asia, and Europe, to bring attention to the unengaged where missionaries are not present. Yeah. Well, I think that makes sense to me, and I'm just going to break it down even more. The unreached are groups of people where we, we have sent and are sending messengers, but there's still very few Christians. But the unengaged, we're not sending anybody. That's right. We're not sending anybody. How many unengaged peoples are there in the world? We think there are as many as 1,600. Wow. Wow. 1600. But you know, that the good news is that that's a lower number than it was even 10 years ago. So we have only 1600 basic ethnicities, um, language groups remaining without a viable Christian witness. So 
we think about 600 of those are tribal, 500 are Hindu, 400 Muslim, and 100 Buddhist. So we believe that if we can get first workers in these remaining 1,600 over the next few years, then they'll all have a chance. Yes. They'll all have a chance to be reached. And your vision, your God dream, is mm-hmm. to stir up believers, believers in Jesus from all around the world who have had the love of God poured into their hearts by the Holy Spirit. You want to stir up believers around the world to give attention to these people groups that we haven't sent anybody to yet. You believe God can enable us to reach the rest of these unengaged by 2025. That's an audacious dream. I absolutely believe it. Because remember, Perry, we're only talking about here giving them a chance. Now, what they do with their chance, that's between them and the Lord. So we feel that it's the church's responsibility to get first workers there. So I'd love to see the global church and missionary community working together to see these unengaged peoples engaged, yes, within the next three years. Call upon me, and I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Amen. He can do it. And And he will do it, because we know the, the last book of the Bible tells us there will be these worshipers from every people. There's nothing sacred about the year 2025. It's just that... Many have been saying since 2002 that 2025, let's see God do this. So we're at the end of that goal season, and the the end is also in sight in terms of actually accomplishing what was on our hearts to do. And so I think there's there's two ways you can get involved with with this God dream that, that Mike has. And one would be, I'm thinking one would be Mike to to just begin praying for 1,600 groups of people. There are 1,600 Mm. groups of people around the world. They're divided up by their ethnicity and their language, and no one has gone to them yet. So begin to pray that the Lord will send workers to them. So that's a real thing you can do. I hope you'll make a commitment today to do that. And the second thing is that I want you to pray for Mike because he has been given this stewardship, this God dream, and it's going to take the Holy Spirit's help for him to, to, to have favor with believers around the world to, to take notice of these people groups that don't yet have the gospel and we're not sending anybody to them yet. And so I'm just thinking that if you'll pray for the 1,600 groups and then you'll, you'll let me know you're going to be praying for Mike, that he would have favor to complete this dream that God has given him. Hmm. And, and you can actually text me and let me know you're going to be praying for Mike. And I'll let Mike know. 800-968-8930. 800-968-8930. Because I'm praying for Mike, and I've told you this, Mike, that, that by God's power, he will bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith with regard to this dream that God's given you. Hmm. Well, I'm very touched that you would say this, uh, Perry, and that you would invite your listeners to do the same. That means a lot to me. Thank you. We believe in you. I believe in you. Hmm. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Perry and Shauna Replay. To learn more, text us at 800-968-8930. 
That's 800-968-8930. 